from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome to the Jack and Spike Show. Oregon City buys 100 new tiny homes, and the cost of which is basically a year's tuition. For why, you may ask? I don't know. We're going to find out. Rent stabilization looks like that's going to fail to advance in the Washington legislature because we hate people, especially when they're struggling, right? Spike, am I right? Gotta kick them when they're down, buddy. Gotta kick them when they're down. I learned one thing. Also, Kate Stone's going to be joining us in a couple of you for the Seattle City Council meeting in which people started yelling because if we've learned anything from when we were children, when you yell, you get what you want. Do you know that? Do you know that, Spike? When you yell. work. When you just scream and yell, you get what you want. Speaking of, by the way, uh, there's a proposal going on to surveil crime with CCTV and audio devices all around Seattle. They want to put up cameras all over the place. Mm -hmm. They want to put microphones all over the place so they can see and hear crime. So if the shot goes off, it'll be picked up by that microphone and they can send police over there. What are they? What's the program called? It's called Sound Spot or Sound Spot Shot Spotter. Shot Spot. Shot Spotter. Yeah. So. I'm all in favor of a safe environment. I'm all in favor of a safe city. I sure. think that everybody likes this. I like quicker police response times as much as the next guy. Not in favor of the surveillance state whatsoever. I'm not in favor of my every motion being tracked. I often turn GPS locator off on my phone because I think it's creepy. I just don't like this idea that we're accepting more and more that the surveillance state should be involved in our lives. And quite frankly, the mayor who I have been told is a beacon and bastion of freedom and free principles, is now instituting a program that you would see in in basically authoritarian countries where yeah. you want to put a camera on every corner facing every direction. Well, no, only in the... <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm glad it's, you brought that up because only in certain areas. Only in certain areas, yeah, right? Um, but that's the thing. It always mm. starts in the low-income areas, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're walking through the suburbs, and what do you see? What's that? A series of cameras? What but, am I to do? But uh, their cameras uh, in, in the in the lower income neighborhoods are where there's already been a proclivity uh, and reoccurrence of crime. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're they're picking it on on rent prices or general income in the area. Yeah, they're going where crime has happened before. So I understand the value of that. Well, what if in I my get... neighborhood we're looking for people speeding through school zones? That's <laughs> and particularly my wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think my wife is the onus <laughs> of this entire program. We make the city a lot of money at my house. Right. So my thought about it is basically like this. I understand that there are people out there who are totally fine with this. And they say, what do I have to worry about? Why would I? I don't commit any crimes. Why do I have to care about this? You're echoing one of the people who spoke in favor of this. Because there was a, a meeting ah. last night. This isn't the one that all heck broke loose. No. But there was a meeting up in the up in the shoreline area. I think it was Bitter Lake uh, Community Center. And there were pro and con speakers to this. And one of the, one of the speakers said... I've got nothing to worry about from a surveillance state. Yeah, let's hear it. Oh, you got him? Okay. I have nothing to fear from technology that helps identify and apprehend and convict criminals. Why? I am not a criminal. I am a robot. Sounds like a Muppet, doesn't he? I have nothing to fear. I you, thought I thought they dug up uh, uh, FDR for a moment there. I, I have nothing to fear <laughs> from a police state, <laughs> but the police state so, itself. One of the things I would tell this gentleman, and I applaud him going up there and mm-hmm. speaking and sharing his two cents. Sure. That's what we're supposed to do as Americans. The police state doesn't care if you don't commit crimes the police state doesn't really care if you if you are an innocent civilian or whatever it is you're being surveilled at all times Mm -hmm. if you look at what they have in china their program is called dragonfly i talk about it a lot but i think it's important for people to know 
where you are tracked everywhere you go, every time you enter or exit a building, everything that you buy, everyone that you talk to, and people are arrested based on any kind of uh, political chatter, any kind of you might be mm-hmm. engaging, or maybe you were saw- seen standing on the a subway next to a known capitalist agitator ah, within the uh-huh. CCP. So, so right there by association. Exactly. Yeah. So this is how it starts. It starts with people who say, well, I have nothing to fear. And then all of a sudden we get more cameras and more surveillance. And it's also just garbage when we could have, you know, that crazy thing that we used to have police. You guys remember those? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just hire a bunch of nice young women and men to come out and, you know, do that job, and then we can all be totally fine with it. L- Laura, you know what I'm talking about here, right? This is this is insane. The mayor's trying to band aid something. This is not a good idea. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not a fan of this. Okay, thank you. But I'll, they, I'll they can't the find the police that they're looking for. I mean, it's funny. Maybe we should put surveillance up to find police satellites. <laughs> but you know, they've they've been trying to fill these spots in law enforcement, sure. not just our community, coast to coast. So in the interim, maybe maybe you can benefit from some technological. Surveillance. I'm not, I'm not a fan I'm, either. I'm not seeing the upside of this at all, man. I, I, I don't like state encroachment. I think it's bad. I think it's wrong. I think we should push back against it because, quite frankly, it's un-American to say, okay, I'll give you a quick example. So in the UK, they have a bunch of, or specifically in London, they have these huge camera towers that they set up all over the place. The amount of crime that they have going on, right? They look like these gigantic trees that right. have cameras going in every, every direction. Yeah. Like we have cell towers, they have camera towers. Exactly. And so this group got together and they started cutting the coax that goes into those cameras, the coax cord. They just started snipping them and really? taking them away because they were so tired of the surveillance state. And so now basically you have these roving bands of anarchists who are destroying this equipment faster than they can get the repair guys in there to put the coax in. And then so it's basically just a vicious cycle where taxpayer dollars and then just going to feed this this system. And I guarantee you that that's something that we would see in this area. That's a slippery slope you're talking about. That's a slippery slope. When we have uh, Matt Markovich on later in this uh, this afternoon to talk about some of the proposed legislation down in Olympia. Mm-hmm. Wait till you wait till he tells you about the uh, the late amendment put forth on a on a safety bill. Great. And but we become you want to talk about a surveillance state. Yeah. Wait till you hear this nightmare coming our way. So speaking of a nightmare by the way, uh, in Portland, Oregon, some city sanctioned homeless camps are now going to be getting an upgrade. The city purchased 100 tiny new tiny home pods for the unsheltered and so the price tag on these is $16,510 a piece. Okay. Now, do I think that this is a good idea? Not particularly, but the city explained why they cost so much money. Laura, do we have this official talking about why it costs so much money? These tiny homes cost between fifteen dollars and $16,000. Tiny homes in general are expensive, and these aren't the most expensive tiny homes on the market. They're pretty durable. They're prefab. They're easily made. They're... they're they're put together with a really precision machinery. But, so you're but, saying they use nails and but stuff? They use nails? Screws and nuts and bolts, you're saying? Well, we, I don't, this is like, $16,000 a piece sounds yeah. like a grift. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like, I mean, it, it was cheaper to remod a deck when I lived in an apartment than it is for one of these tiny homes. Well, you know what I mean? they also said there was a, there were more expensive options. There, there are tiny homes that are made of less sturdy and durable material yeah. that, that can cost more. These things are weather resistant. They're not made of wood. They're made of like a vinyl product. Oh, great. Plastic. So they'll get little microplastics they're, they're in, in their body. <laughs> with this, that. Great. They've each got um, a heater unit inside. They've got okay. a bedding inside. I mean, they're, they're hopefully they will last a while. They, they're saying three to five years is all that they're insured for or Oof. warranted for. Yeah, we do have audio on that. Yeah, can we hit that? 
The expectation is that these will last longer or for as long as we need. And the program as a whole, it wasn't meant to last forever, right? It's meant to be a bridge from the streets to stability for this vulnerable population and, and the homelessness crisis that we're seeing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. Yeah. A bridge, yeah, but it's not like the homeless crisis is going to go away in three to five years. No. When no. some, when, when the residents <laughs> graduate to regular citizenship and right. living in a home, maybe the next wave of homeless can move into these things. I mean, they should last more than three to five years, and I think they probably will. They're giving us like a worst-case scenario of a three to five-year well, lifespan. Okay, but then you got to think about most homeless people are suffering from some degree of mental illness. True. To the point where they cannot maintain a living environment. And so what we do with them is we say, here's a very fragile, destructible living environment for you to go into. I mean, look at what happened to that guy at that tiny home village. What was it last year? Who his his little cooker fell over oh, and yeah, yeah. burned to death inside. Of, yeah. And then the other guy who died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, I mean, but that's those those are outliers. I would think. Th- but right? th- this is th- we. What I'm saying is that these are all half measures. Agreed. Whereas opposed is in opposition to building a mental health facility and in opposition to actually constructing a place to process these people. And let's say th- some of these people are from New York State or they're from Florida or whatever. And maybe they got off their schizophrenia meds and their families are looking for them now what we do is we roll out these tiny home villages thinking that this somehow solves the problem or thinking that this is in some way a way of moving in the right direction but it's really not it's a half measure and half measures in life never really work they're not really effective and they're often a waste of money sometimes 1.6 million dollars in this case right chunk of change man so somebody pointed out that the, the, the the city of portland had gotten over 200 million in uh, in you know emergency relief money to address the situation from the federal government, they're like, yeah. well, "Where'd all that go? That we got to spend another one point six now on tiny homes." Uh, if you've ever been to Portland and seen their homelessness, it's much worse than it's Seattle. It's insanely much worse it, than our situation it's here. It's insane. But they how can bad pick and choose who they give these opportunities to. Right. There's only a hundred houses. When I look at this, it, it frustrates me because there's a way to deal with the homeless population, which is uh, with kindness and with dignity and with a certain amount of, uh, oh, I don't know, not tiny homes for people to well, go. You've, and- al- you've often put forth a very inclusive and all encompassing process. Mm-hmm. For dealing with the homeless, and it's hard to get through a city council. Very There's so, so many different moving parts of a good idea. Speaking of, by the way, city councils, Kate Stone joins us live in the studio because six people were taken away in handcuffs during a raucous city council meeting. Did you write that headline, Kate? Is that your writing? It's raucous. raucous. But I prefer my pronunciation. And no, I didn't. Can we go with the jingle I prepared? Oh yeah, let's do. Let's jing- get ready to council. <laughs> So, Kate, yeah. six people were taken away. I heard a little bit of the audio from Heather Bosch mm-hmm. because I heard them basically yelling and screaming because, as we all know, what we learned in childhood is that when you yell and scream, you get exactly what you want and no one ever questions you, right? That's yeah. what I like. Right, we like will this. now go into a five-minute recess. It actually ended up being more than an hour. Wow. So do you want to break it down for us, Kate? I absolutely can. Yeah. I watch a lot of city council meetings, so you don't have to. And normally (laughs) they are pretty run of the mill. Yeah. Uh, Normally, you know, not a lot of fireworks. This one, a little different. Okay. Uh, There were quite a few protesters inside of the city council meeting. Now, we know there's been a lot of pro-Palestinian protests recently. This was not that. This was actually on a different issue. And it had to do with asylum seekers, refugee families, 
and they were asking the city council to provide housing assistance. And this actually comes on the heels of Tequila. Actually, a Tequila church has a space where people are currently living in tents outside of it. Right. There's a bunch of refugee families there, so they're not... They're not technically, you know, like local homeless people. They're actually refugee families that are seeking asylum. Well, that Tequila space is overloaded. So Mayor Bruce Harrell at the end of January actually provided Seattle City funding for about 70 of those families to live in a Kent hotel. Right, they, they, like a million-dollar bond or something? to cup, the Yeah, this, around yeah. that. And those families were already living in that Kent hotel, but Mayor Harrell... Uh, allowed them to extend their stay for 28 days. And the extension ended on Monday. And so the activists and the the asylum seekers and their supporters were asking the city council to, to the Seattle city council to kind of chip in and continue helping with what they call a region-wide problem. So this was one of the supporters. I really think that it's shameful to just pass the buck there were a lot of people that were speaking in support of that, but then it got a little bit tense. Now, mm. Council President Sarah Nelson, who oversees these general council meetings, she said this to kind of sum up, you know, why, in her perspective, Seattle should prioritize, as she puts it, their own unhoused population before helping others. We also provide the lion's share of uh, resources for King County Regional Homelessness Authority. Uh, so we are also doing our part so she essentially says yeah essentially we we are doing our part this is kind of Tequila's problem this is king county's problem this needs to be discussed on a federal level Mm -hmm. rather than you know or a county level rather than you know the city of seattle coming in with their white horse and (laughs) and helping out you know Tequila. and then when when did it get ugly yeah yeah, then things got a little raucous so or raucous as i like to say raucous as public comment was ending and councilmember nelson actually limited public comment to 20 minutes which is somewhat unusual that's when people started shouting as you heard and then she had security clear the room but that did not end it because the protesters stayed outside and they were actually banging on the windows. And council member Kathy Moore actually interrupted their proceedings uh, as they were trying to conduct their business. And that's what she said. And request that we have police response. Uh, our physical safety is being threatened by the actions of the demonstrators outside banging on the windows. You can actually kind of hear them banging yeah. on the windows Hobbies there. Hobbies are very important for young people. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Having a nice, you know, hey, I do equine therapy. Mm-hmm. I make little boats inside of bottles. I'm a quilter. I enjoy sure. quilting. Yeah. Watercolor. I say this because these people, when you're going down there and you're protesting, you get an emotional rise out of it, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. in the same way that stoners take a big old hit out of a bong, activists like to yell and bang Bang things. on windows, right? sure. So they get or a big live o- in trees. Or live in trees. And so I think one of the problems with, with this kind of activism, when I see it like this, what I heard was a very measured young man saying, I don't think we should pass the buck on this one. Mm-hmm. That's the way that adults talk. And then I hear a bunch of children yelling and screaming so that they can then go to their friends and basically get like activist clout where because they were there. I, hey, man, I'm on the front lines. You can't tell me that I don't advocate for indigenous BIPOC people. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, right, the, I hear you. The, the, this to me is a is a status claim in the, pretty much in the same way that I talk about. Hey, you guys remember that one time when I did an entire gram of heroin and 
10 minutes. Do you know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> like when I talk to drug addicts about it, okay. they all go like, wow, that's so cred. cool. Right, right. Wow, dude, that's so awesome. It's the same thing that activists do when they talk about doing this kind banging of nonsense. On the banging on the windows. Yeah, we were banging on the windows. They didn't talk for like an hour. Well, Whoa, dude. And it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because even before public comment, uh, Sarah Nelson was saying, you know, these are political actors. They're using it for political opportunism. They're just latching on to a very real crisis, which is these refugee families. That is a real problem. And she acknowledged that. She said, you know, we are sympathetic to these asylum seekers, but this is being used for craven political purposes, mm. was what she was saying, which begs the question, how do you establish your legitimacy as a protester or supporter in this day and age? You know, how do you how do you differentiate between the people that are latching on for political purposes and the people that genuinely are showing support for whatever issue is that they're out to protest being yeah. discussed? Exactly. Right. You know, because Seattle does love its protests. Thank you so much, Kate Stone. We appreciate you coming on with your excellent reporting and also having to sit through those terribly long city council meetings. Hey, you know, this makes it worth it. Oh, yeah, it certainly does. Kind of like watching the highlight reel after the Super Bowl, (laughs) right? Didn't have to sit through it, but I saw all the good parts. Mr. Billy Sunshine coming on in a couple of few. He is deeply upset about a law in Tennessee being advanced by the... What? Billy's upset by the GOP? Stop picking on me. (laughs) I would have never thought that Mr. Sunshine would have had any issue whatsoever with the the GOP. I've never heard him say such a thing. This is a new move. But as our senior coastal elite champagne socialist correspondent... (laughs) I like that. Maybe he'll give us a take that we haven't heard on MSNBC recently. We'll be right back right after this. Ah, yes, our senior coastal elite liberal correspondent coming down the aisle, Mr. Sunshine. How are you this morning? Crack of noon, a little early for you, don't you think, Billy? Shouldn't you be still getting a case of the memes in, a little bit of rest for your deep socialist brain to think about communist things? Jack. Shame on you. Okay. First of all, you start out calling me senior. Why are you such an ageist? <laughs> Never mind. Let's talk about Tennessee. Let's talk about Tennessee. So, Billy sent me this story last <laughs> night, and it's talking about how this there's this uh, new bill that's trying to be pushed through in Tennessee, which would uh, largely ban any kind of display of a pride flag in any classroom whatsoever. The sponsor of this bill is maintaining that it in no way, shape, or form would violate the First Amendment rights of teachers who work within Tennessee. That's really funny because the Supreme Court probably disagrees with them. Oh, wait a minute, they did back in the 80s, but we can talk about that later. That was a different Supreme Court, by the way. It it wasn't much different. You might even say much more. Those guys don't stand on precedent. Right, exactly. So this is very sad to see. I, You know, the thing that I find really interesting about this is that you want to know how you motivate a, a, a GOP representative? You put a, a, a pride flag anywhere, and yeah. then immediately action gets done. It's like, like, it's like calling a bull with a red flag. Right, exactly. I like this. Exactly. So if we started giving out home, if we'd like to homeless people, if we just give them all pride flags and we say, wear these at all times, instantly the homeless problem would be solved in two weeks. <laughs> I guarantee you. There is nothing that a GOP representative hates more than a pride flag. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. It's just something about rainbows. If you want to traumatize a member of the GOP representative, you know what you do? You crack open 
open a bag of Skittles and you throw it on the ground. <laughs> ah! They say, ah! Get away from me! Right? You know how you know how paranoid they are about you know all the LGBT things. So they made a law, of course, against um, drag shows. Yeah. Right? In a public place. Yeah. Now they are trying to enforce that in your private home. Now you can't do a drag show at home. Where is that, Bill? Yeah. But you didn't send me that story. Bill. Tennessee. That's in Tennessee That's, as I did well. Not. I'm, uh, I'm not going to tell you all of my secrets. I That's don't... in Tennessee as well. Also in Tennessee. Okay. Here's a couple of interesting things. Uh, there's certain people who are disqualified from holding. Wait, Billy, hold on a second. I think you're I think you're spreading false information on my show. Oh, okay. Lawrence v. Right. Texas. There is no way that Tennessee could push that law through. There's no way. Lawrence v. Texas, my dude. You 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 simply. Lawrence v. Texas says that if I am in if I am in my home and if I am engaged in private activity with other consenting adults of a sexual nature, then nothing that the federal government can do about it. Nothing that the state government can do about it. Lawrence v. Texas, look it up. It's called reading. You ever okay. read, Billy? <laughs> I try not to. This is, here's something interesting. Yeah. There are three, pe- three types of people who are disqualified from holding office in Tennessee. Okay. First of all, duelists. If you conduct a duel, you are disqualified. Okay. Ministers are disqualified. And here's my problem. Atheists are prohibited from serving in civil state office. Okay. So, Billy, wait, we've gone from LGBTQ issues to atheists. What's your whole point about it? Are you just mad at Tennessee? My point is that Tennessee is out of control, that they that Republicans in Tennessee know no boundaries. I'll tell you what flag is allowed. Hmm. Guess what flag is allowed? Oh, the Confederate the flag. flag. The Confederate flag. Yeah, yeah exactly. the rebel flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. So, okay. You know, so, so if you're a Southern terrorist, your flag is up. Right. And one of the things that I find interesting about the argument that the bill sponsor made is he said that they, this, pardon me, this is Gina Bolso, which if I've ever heard a great name for a representative from Tennessee, Gino, G, Gina, is it Gina? It's a Gina. Uh, well, Gino. It's, a, it's a lady who hates the gays. So, um, she is saying that, well, we want parents to be able to choose what values they instill in their children. And one of the well, hyper... Hold on, Billy. That's one of the hyperbolic arguments that I would make if I was speaking to the representative is I would say, what if I'm a white supremacist and I insist that I teach my children Nazi values? Exactly. And I insist exactly. that my child be allowed to have a Nazi flag in the classroom. Because you're, what you're telling me is that you're giving me back the power as the parent. And if I want to teach my little Nazi baby how to be a Nazi, are you saying that I should be able to do that? Because technically that's what she's saying, right? I mean, this is so obtuse and so stupid that I don't think that she, it's so transparently anti-gay that she should be embarrassed about this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but the parental control, that's the, that's the bedrock of most all the arguments that come out against for book banning or what, what can be shown in a classroom, who can hold an office. We, I want to I teach my kids that's what's right. right. It's clear. Spike, it's clear that parents should have no control over schools whatsoever. That's not true. Look at the way they abuse it. They should have control in their homes and none over the public schools. That's not true, Billy. I mean, of course, parents should have well, some say. The they've abused it. When you start to ban books, when you ban the dictionary, when librarians are afraid to do their work in the state of Texas, you've gone too far. Sure, I would agree with you. And I would also say that there's going to be a decent amount of pushback as soon as these states start losing decent portions of their population that's engaged in academics and in medicine. Yeah, they've had brain flight. What do you call it? It's called brain drain. Brain drain. So, like, for instance, the infant mortality rate has gone up in places like Alabama. In places like Texas, because a lot of OBGYNs 
are leaving right. because the laws are written so poorly that if you are engaged in a in a in a birth process and the baby unfortunately dies, you could be potentially uh, found criminally liable for murder. Now, that's because the laws are written so poorly and because members of the GOP oh, didn't boy. actually read the laws. They just read the headline on it. They voted for it. Yeah, that's why you're seeing OBGYNs, DOs just leaving these yep. Leaving these states because they they don't want to be criminally liable for. Uh, and next, it's going to be teachers leaving but, the state because they can't they're not allowed to express what right, they feel are First exactly. Amendment but, rights. But that's classrooms. exactly what they want. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think and that Tennessee these representatives so in Tennessee don't want they don't want gay teachers. They don't want queer teachers. They don't want anybody who's going to question. They don't want it. Jack, so that, yeah, Jack, they don't even want democracy. Uh, they just passed a law that says if we throw somebody out of our legislator just because we feel like it because you know they're black. Uh, you can't decide to reelect them, so they're right. also telling they're also telling the people of Memphis or wherever you don't get to vote on who you want. We control. So that, that has to do with those three. Tennessee, that has like to do with any place Republicans are in control. Billy's right. had a lot of coffee this yeah, morning. Yeah, I love this. The, those are the yeah, three. The three that got oh, expelled wow. from the floor. Yes, exactly. And were voted back yeah. in by their constituents immediately. They're yeah. trying to pass laws saying they can't be can't be voted. Right. So They've done it. It's done. And so when people say that. You know, that we live in a colorblind society or they say that we live in an equitable society or, we're, you know, in, in a, a society of equal opportunity. All I have to do is point to Tennessee and say, no, we don't. Uh, yeah, no, no, we don't. Well, we, we did. We we're did. Try, we're trying to be dragged back into the past. Yeah. And, and one of the speakers uh, of a Democrat in Tennessee was saying it, it's not a, it's not about being a gay teacher. It's about representing the children in the classrooms that they see on a daily basis mm. that are that are question you know, or, or whatever they may they're in question about who they are. Right. They want these kids to feel included and not just ostracized. That's yeah. I my read of it is like I have no issue if if a teacher wants to put a cross or a star of David or a, you know what whatever it might be in their it doesn't make any difference to me. But let other people also be represented in that space. Don't try to limit Everything it or nothing. Yeah, that's or that's pretty much the way that I view it. Like, if, we, if we're going to be talking about things like rational adults, we should allow these images or symbols or whatever to be present. And I, I don't think that people necessarily – I get that there's a lot of stuff about the LGBTQ community that a lot of people don't understand and don't care to look into mm-hmm. and that they find to be offensive. I get it. But let's not use the power of the state to oppress people simply because we don't understand it, right? Like that's – And all, parents who are so afraid – the reason they got afraid is because they didn't have education when they were kids. Yeah. When it was an appropriate place in a classroom to talk about these things. That's very true, Mr. Sunshine. Thank you so much, Billy, for coming on, being our senior lib correspondent, senior. my friend. A lot of coffee that Mr. Sunshine is. And we had. mean it, we mean it with complete love and respect, there, old man. I don't mean it. I don't mean it at all. I I despise that man for every. No, that's not true. He's I love a, Billy. He's a gift. I keep Billy in my life mostly because of all the joy he brings me. Not on the air. Oh, okay. On the air, be a lot of joy. Every time I do radio with Billy, I'm just like, geez, why do I torture myself like this? And for then our I, amusement. And then I call him. I call him after the show, and he goes, "Oh, how'd it go?" And I go, "It went great, Billy." By the way, when you call him this time, apologize for being incorrect. Because he's right. Tennessee argued before an appellate court really? that they want to bag drag shows in private homes. Really? Tennessee's trying to get that passed. Wow. Billy was, Billy was right on Billy that Billy was right about that yeah. one. Yeah, gets, I don't want to tell him. So no, maybe serves me up. right for questioning Billy because Billy never says anything that he can't back up. <laughs>
So, okay, okay. This is like the 14th or the 15th time this has happened between Billy and I, where I'm like, Billy, that's not true. And then I look it up, and it is true. Billy brought receipts. So uh, Washington wants school districts to keep better track of truant students. I was a truant student. You? And I will tell you how I still to this day hold the record <laughs> no. in all California school districts for the most days missed in a single school wow. year. When we get back right after this. <laughs> Washington State wants school districts to keep better track of truant students. Now, to make a very, very long article much shorter, Okay. previously what would happen in Washington State is if your kid missed 20 consecutive days of school, they would be withdrawn, involuntarily removed from the school, basically for funding reasons. Okay. All right? And they didn't have to tell anybody at the state level. Basically, it was, whoop, these kids are gone. Off the books. Off the books. So after a ton of uh, hullabaloo around this particular issue, now the idea is that school districts will have to report to a body within the state so that the state can actually see, well, is this a missing persons issue? Right. Is this a uh, a mental health issue? Is this a transportation issue? And they can do wellness checks. And everybody is celebrating that. Yeah, I would think. But student wellness is put in the forefront here. Right. So that was me distilling what is otherwise... How many words do you think this is, Laura? Like 5,000 words on this? I mean, this is an insanely long article. Quite the future. Which I could have just said, well, it used to be 20 days we dropped the kid. Then in 2023, it was 20 20 days and you got to tell somebody. And now today, it's, well, now we're going to follow up on those kids and not just discount them from the system as a whole. State's still trying to provide more. Uh, economic and academic support to these kids. Right, exactly. It's still being moved through. Because sometimes it is as simple as a transportation issue. Yeah. Mom and dad simply can't take the kid to school. Right. So when I was a junior in high school, I missed 100 days of school, not consecutively, but cumulatively. I missed 100 days. I was uh, 16 turning 17, and I just didn't want to go to school. It was, so it wasn't a transportation issue? It was boring. I was so bored. It was an engagement issue. It was a huge engagement issue because I was a very precocious young man. Okay. And so I would do all of the reading in advance. I would do everything in in advance. And then I would say, I don't need to be there. I already understand this. I don't need to go over the Civil War again. I don't need to go over any of this mindless brain rot trivia again. So I would beg my vice principal, Sally, uh, uh, I can't say her last name. I would beg Sally (laughs) and I would say, please just let me take the the chipsy which is the high, california high school proficiency okay. exam Ted, which is you test out it's below a ged okay okay but you have to get people to sign off on it okay. and she refused she was like because you ha- you can only take your ged when you're 18 in california okay you and wanted I mean, to be cut loose and set free right. to, to I was see like, the world. I was like, pl- and be, you were ready to be Jack Stein. I was like, please, Sally, please let me take this test. And she would always say, no, I think it's good for you to be here. I think it's good for you to bop, bop, bop. And I was like, I just want to go to community college. Please let me leave. I would beg her for it. And she would say, no. Nope. This is where you were being actively bullied, right? No, this okay. person had already left okay. at this point in time. Good. But I was so... They were allowed to leave her. Okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. I had already read Of Mice and Men and everything that John Steinbeck had ever written. And part of the curriculum was, you got to read John sure. Steinbeck. And so I would go to my English teacher and I would say, I've already read Grapes of Wrath. I will give you the essay that I wrote two years ago on it. Please don't waste my life. I was begging these people, and they were like, well, you got to be here for the class. Got to learn to be work within the system, Jack. And I would say, I already read Hamlet. Please leave me alone. We're in the lemming business, Jack. we got to create a lemming to send it in the society. Exactly. So what I ended up doing was I just wouldn't go. 
I simply would not go. I would, I would, I would just, my mom would come into my room. I was driving at the time and she would say, you going to school today? And I would go, nope. And I would sit there and I would read and I would do whatever I wanted to do. Didn't care. They tried everything. What they, grade was this? Were you in? I said it three, four minutes tenth, ago. Tenth grade? I was I a, ju- sure I right. junior a junior in high school. Okay. Right. Okay. To make you repeat the 11th grade? write that down so you remember it? I, I, I'm trying. <laughs> did they, well, my question is, did they make you repeat the 11th grade? No, they did not. How the hell did you, pardon Be, me, how did you get to become a senior? Because when I here's days? the crazy thing. I passed every class. And so they were in this weird position where it wasn't my grades. Because on the days that we had tests or essays w- were due, I would stroll in. I would sit there. No backpack. No pens, hand the paper in, whatever it was, take the test, yeah. and then I would leave. God, they hate I would just take off. Too. It was it got so bad that they tried to have the 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 campus people the security so this, no they, like the supervisors uh-huh. they tried to stop me at the gate from leaving. Oh, and, after you finished your test? Yeah, because I would just leave. I would just See, say I'm leaving. You were already in college, <laughs> right? Right. And so what, what they made me do was, is that because I had missed a couple of, uh, the, you, you had to fill an hour requirement for the English department. Yeah. And yeah. so I had to go to summer school, which was me showing up once a week to sit in this guy's office for an hour and be like, I read this book. I read the Diary of Anne Frank. Here's my essay. Thank you so much. I hated it. <laughs> Imagine it was not like that scene, Go Will Hunting, where you're sitting there with like a Robin Williams type and you guys are just talking about life. Basically. And, and the world. Well, okay, so we know we had this moment, my English teacher and I, when I was actually going, and because we were reading Shakespeare at the time when we were reading Hamlet, and she thought she was going to get one on me, and she said, why do you think that Shakespeare had Ophelia be found in water? And so she thought this was a big brain take, and I had already read the analysis of Hamlet, and I go, well, Mrs. S., the thing about water is that Shakespeare often uses it as a literary device to signify transformation. So she is transformed from living to dead, and so he's trying to make that clear, as we can see in his other works, such as King Henry, so on and so forth. I was such a precocious little <laughs> snot nose, you know what I mean? I was such I can't a... can't imagine you in that And then I was like, <laughs> this is me at 16 musing, and I'm like, you know, the other thing about water is that water, Shakespeare often uses as an indicator for chaos, and Ophelia was suffering from mental illness based on the death of her father at the hands of her lover. So thus, instead of taking poison, she threw herself into the river. And of course, Mrs. S was like, can yeah. you please just come to class? <laughs> please? And I was like, I don't want to. All right, we'll take a really quick break when we get back. Mitch McConnell stepping down as the leader of the Senate GOP at the end of the year. Joe Biden begging Speaker Johnson to help in Ukraine. Speaker Johnson said, God told me not to. And Mickey Gomez coming in to yell at me as to why I have abs when we get back right after this.